I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. I want to take this time to quickly apologize for last week's podcast. When I was making it, I was in the middle of uh, changing apartments, and I think a lot of people, including myself, know that that wasn't my best effort. Um, I was under a lot of stress at the time. If you go back and listen to that podcast, I give my reasons why. But, uh, and I actually spent more of that podcast talking about why uh, I hadn't done one in forever and less time talking about any actual boxing news. But uh, there's a lot going on this weekend. There's a lot that happened this past weekend. There's a lot of stuff that's going on right now that I'd like to talk about. So without any further ado, let's get started. Carl Frotch cemented his status as one of the best super middleweights in the world. Keep in mind, I didn't say the best. I said one of the best super middleweights in the world with his stunning eighth-round knockout of George Groves. And this time, there was no controversy. Um, I hate to keep going back to, you know, the whole thing with me moving, but um, I had this dumb landlord. um, She said I had to be out of my old place by the end of the month instead of, you know the first of the following month like normal people do it so um i got a uh, inexpensive hotel room in downtown calgary of all places and first thing i do when i turn on the tv is i i'm talking to my dad while this is happening and then i see that there's boxing on and i say oh boxing and i kind of more or less hung up on my dad it's like boxing's on i'll talk to you later old man and just kind of tossed it aside and uh, started watching. It was the end of the Nonito Denaire fight. Um, there was the headbutt that opened the cut over his eye, and that ended in a technical decision for Donaire. He hasn't really been the uh, dynamic self he was ever since he lost to Guillermo Rigondeau, so I'm kind of wondering what's happening with that. But, uh,. Going back to the whole uh, Frotch Groves rematch, my mother was also visiting me at the time, and she's watching this, and she is just blown away by the pageantry by the ring walk. And sadly, I couldn't stick around to watch the fight because I had to go and meet my new landlord, uh, give him the damage deposit, and uh, get the keys so that I could move in the next day. But uh, I was able to catch it online later that night. Very, very good fight. I think that's a uh, contender for knockout of the year by Farage. I mean, the way it just dropped Groves, I thought, oh, there's no way he's going to get up. And the funny thing is, immediately after the referee waved his hand, stopping the fight, Groves just kind of bolts up from the ground like no 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 it's okay it's okay I was just I was just faking it it's okay but uh no I I think that was a good call by the referee and uh Groves even uh said so himself that he got knocked the f out on his Twitter account so um uh George Groves will bounce back I mean this isn't the end of the road for him Carl Froch I've heard rumors that he might be considering retiring I I hope not I would like to see one rematch 
or sorry, not one rematch. I'd like to see one more fight, and that would be the rematch with Andre Ward. Let's face it, in the, uh, what, it's been three years? It's been two and a half years since uh, they had their fight. They That was in December of 2011. Andre Ward's only fought twice. Carl Froch, uh he fought Yusuf Mack, Lucien Boutte, uh, the rematch with Mikel Kessler, which he won, and these two fights with George Groves, he seems to be getting better and better. And, let's face it, Andre Ward, we see more of him doing commentary on HBO, and less fighting. And yeah, you can blame that, now, blame that on his promotional uh, problems, but... Sorry. Uh, you know... Froch is more or less taking his uh, spot as the face of the division. L let's not uh, kid ourselves. Ward's the best in the division, but Froch is the bigger star. And if there is going to be a rematch, it it'd be nice if it could happen in Nottingham, because we can see that Froch can draw. L let's not deny that. I mean, 80,000 people show up for a boxing event and uh you know l let's stop with this whole ri ridiculous talk of boxing is dead or boxing doesn't have any big stars <laughs> it's the talk of idiots and that was kind of my impression of an idiot that <laughs> but um no the boxing is dead that's a load of crap Boxing doesn't have any big stars. That's a load of crap as well. If you're going to compare every every fighter to Floyd, it, it's just stupid. Seriously, stop saying, oh, well, they aren't making big money like Floyd. Who cares? Honest to God, who cares about that? If you can draw that well, then you're doing something right. You're a star. Ugh. But... I would like to see a rematch with uh, with Froch and Ward. And Froch can uh, say, you know what? Yeah, you may have beaten me, but I'm the bigger star. I'm the I'm the A side of this promotion. Uh, we're gonna get to A sides and B sides later on when we talk about Cotto Martinez. But yeah, no, a very good win for Carl Froch, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing what's next for him. Moving on. Well, we knew it was coming. We knew that uh, something was going to happen eventually. We knew that this was not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And I was unfortunately not uh, in Calgary at the time to cover it. I was in Banff uh, with my mom. Uh, we were climbing mountains. But yeah, I was probably at an elevation of 8,000 or so feet when I got the news that Richard Schaefer has left Golden Boy Promotions. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Are, are you surprised by this? You shouldn't be. There had been rumors for weeks. Oscar had been saying that he was going to address the issue. 
he never really did. Then he said that uh, Schaefer had signed a contract through 2018. Schaefer said he never did. I wrote to Golden Boy kind of asking them, hey, can I get some clarification on this confusion? Never got an answer. Probably should have called, but hey, you know, you can pay my cell phone bills. Um, yeah, so, what is this two for Golden Boy? I don't know. The rumor has been that Schaefer and Al Heyman uh, have been secretly planning to start their own promotional company. Good for them if they want to. Uh, I have a feeling that Al Heyman may become the new Don King in that everybody seems to be saying, Oh, I want to sign with Al Heyman. I want to sign with Al Heyman. And eventually down the line they're going to find, Hey, being with Al Heyman's not that great. Maybe. I, I have a feeling. Intuition does not mean I'm a psychic or anything. Um, it's just my feeling. The thing I want to know is... Why is Schaefer leaving? Is it simply because Oscar is willing to work with Bob Arum and Schaefer and Arum hate each other? There, there has to be more than that. Because here's the thing. I would, if I were Schaefer, and this is just me, I mean, I don't know what he knows. But I would just say to Oscar, look, if you want to do business with Bob Arum, that's fine. I will not work with him. I will leave that to you. It's your company, as you like to say. So, uh, please, do do the uh, do the stuff with Aram. I'll continue to do the stuff that I have normally done with that does not involve Bob Aram. There, you leave it like that. But um, I, I think something else might be going on. I'm not too sure. It's like I like I always say. It's just what I feel. And I also feel that that thorn that Oscar De La Hoya once said, that little thorn he has for Floyd Mayweather, I think that just grew three sizes that Monday because he has announced that he is no longer going to be working with Golden Boy Promotions. Uh, yeah, there were rumors that he was going to uh, stop working with them if Schaefer left. Schaefer has left. Thus, uh, yeah. Kind of makes you wonder, though, the numbers for uh, Floyd's fights, particularly the Marcos Maidana one, which, by the way, I believe Showtime is still counting those. You know, come on. Frickin' Bush Gore recount didn't take this long, but, uh, or maybe it did. I mean, I, I don't know, but no, it did not take that long. Uh, no, th th this is getting a bit ridiculous. Don't we have the numbers by now? But anyway getting off track it kind of makes you wonder if they don't have the power of Golden Boy helping them what's this going to mean for uh, the remaining three fights that Floyd has I do have a feeling that uh, the numbers will be up for his next fight but that's only because people will look at the Maidana fight and say oh my gosh you know this guy gave Floyd the toughest fight of his career can the next guy do the same thing, or even better, can he beat Floyd? But I have a feeling that Floyd will once again get an easy 12-round decision. Then, then after that, the numbers will drop, and that means that uh, Showtime slash CBS won't make a profit on their investment.
I don't know. I have uh, no idea what what kind of uh, promotional power that Mayweather Promotions has, or what CBS has up their sleeve for the remaining three fights. We don't even know if Floyd is going to be fighting in September. I've heard rumors that he may have to take a few more uh, weeks off because of the cut over his eye to allow that to heal properly. We're just going to have to wait and see. Moving on. This upcoming Saturday is the much-anticipated uh, match between Sergio Martinez and Miguel Cotto for Martinez's WBC Middleweight Championship. Aside from the championship, Miguel Cotto is also chasing history as he hopes to become the first Puerto Rican to win titles in four different weight classes. As you know, the 24-7 series premiered this past Saturday. As you know, because of me, HBO now only does them for two weeks. And also, because of me, because I said that they were blowing the opportunity to uh, get people, you know, get people's attention about these fights by not putting these series on YouTube, they have put the series on YouTube now. So... Let's get to it. The episode opens with the usual slow motion gain out of car or just walking to a building. And we uh, get to hear about Freddie Roach working with Miguel Cotto. I mean, just like a guy of that caliber to give me a call. It was just a thrill to me to get that call and I was really excited. We had fought against each other with the Pacquiao fight and I thought he didn't like me that much. It takes a lot of guts to go to the man who uh, helped guide another fighter to your defeat and say, hey, can you help me improve my craft? So, uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised that Cotto went to Freddie Roach, but at the same time, I didn't feel that he was doing anything... anything really significant with his uh, previous trainer. I mean, he had that one victory over Antonio Margarito, but come on. I mean, all you had to do was just aim for Margarito's eye. That's all you had to do. For uh, Floyd Mayweather, yeah, you know, did better than expected, but you have to wonder, what if he was working with Freddie Roach then, or what if he was working with Emmanuel Stewart? It's just a big what if, and obviously we saw in the Austin Trout fight, you know, it just wasn't the Miguel Cotto that we were expecting. In fact, they actually show Miguel Cotto a video of what Freddie Roach was saying about his training for the Manny Pacquiao fight, and they show that video to Miguel Cotto. Cotto seems to be the boss in that camp, and he calls the shots, and uh, Cotto's making fundamental mistakes, and no one's correcting him. The fighter can't just do it himself. He's got to have someone remind him of that good habits and bad habits. He was just right. That was the key for the victory. His victory in 2009. And all I can say is he just was right. I'm a bit puzzled, though. Why would they do that? I mean, obviously, Cotto had to have been aware. I mean, I imagine that he would watch 24-7. But why bring up the stuff that Roach was saying five years ago? It's kind of like somebody at HBO said, Hey, video of Freddy chalking trash. This will be a great angle for the fight. 
who cares? I mean, it would be kind of interesting if Miguel saw that video and started crying. <laughs> don't don't worry, he'll start crying when he talks about his children eventually. But uh, oh, okay, I gotta move on before I get into trouble. Roach also talks about how when he got Miguel Cotto, he worked on him so that he was not an older Miguel Cotto, but more like the Miguel Cotto of old. If you mention Miguel Cotto's name, you think left hook to the body. I mean, that was his bread and butter for a long time. And for some reason, he had switched over to the right hand. So we brought back the left hook. We actually made him like a happier situation because everyone's always told me that he's been always grouchy in training camp and so forth, never smiles. And here he's just you know, the best guy in the world, friendly. He gets along with Marvin, he gets along with Liam, my two sons or close to sons. <laughs> Not that I'm complaining, but isn't there another fighter I should be talking about right now? In the Wynwood section of Miami, local artists find expression through the large painted murals that cover nearly every building on every street. And inside the Biamonte Boxing Club, the walls feature their own distinctive array of adornments. With the most recent addition to the collection, heralding the arrival of the gym's newest tenant, a man training for one of the most anticipated bouts of 2014. They're talking about Sergio Martinez. In case you didn't know, come on. I mean, it's all audio. You're not seeing anything. But yes, the middleweight champion of the world is in training camp in Miami. And uh, as usual, I'm not going to be able to do too much with Martinez because he doesn't speak English. It's hard for me to do subtitles in a auditory medium unless I just play all his stuff and then repeat what he said or translate it anyway but you don't want to do that that'd be incredibly boring even for a podcast it's been more than a year since middleweight champion Sergio Martinez has fought in the boxing ring and he's been waiting even longer for the showdown on the horizon as you might recall, the last fight that Sergio Martinez had was in April of last year in his native Argentina against Martin Murray in a fight that wasn't as easy as he would have hoped. The crowd favorite was hiding a painful secret as he headed to the ring. With his left shoulder already ailing, Martinez had re-injured his surgically repaired right knee in training just days before the bout. Martinez explains that the reason he went forward was because he felt that if he canceled the fight after 50,000 tickets had been sold and so many people were looking forward to it, that he would never be able to set foot in Argentina again, that, you know, it was all pride. And it may not have been the smartest decision, but it was his decision. And, uh, I mean, he was successful, but not as successful as he would have hoped. Oh, and to add injury to injury, uh, in the second round, he fractured his left hand. Uh, this is probably why they're bringing Russ Anber back to work with Sergio Martinez because of the hand problems he's had in the past. Uh, he fractured his left hand or broke it, I believe they said in the fourth round against Chavez, and now this happens with uh, Martin Murray in the second round if you're going to make a defense against Miguel Cotto you want somebody uh, You know who really knows what they're doing to wrap his hands and Russ Amber no does know what he's doing There's a reason why he's working with Deontay Wilder uh, 
you know, the guy's got 32 knockouts and 32 victories. So, yeah, Russ Amber might know what he's doing. And please don't read anything into that. Like, oh, I'm alleging that Amber is secretly wrapping uh, Wilder's hands in a, you know, ill-advised manner. That's why he's hitting so hard. No. Wilder's knocking all these people out. Doesn't seem to have any problem with his hands. So, you know, why not do it for Sergio is what I'm saying. But right now, Martinez is in camp. He says that he feels great. He hated being inactive for so long. I think that he said he was on crutches for seven months. And for an elite athlete, that must be incredibly uh, unbearable. Also, Martinez is getting older. He just turned 39 this past February. So, he, he can't really afford to... Uh, be weighing around to recuperate from injuries. Shall we check back in with Miguel Cotto? Miguel Cotto's training days also begin well before dawn at 5 a.m. at the wild card for strength and conditioning workouts. 4.59. Each session is supervised by Gavin McMillan, a coach Freddie Roach hired in 2013 to work with his fighters after meeting him through MMA star George St. Pierre. Gavin is a guy who, who started working with me last camp. The same as, as Freddy, we get good chemistry. You never know how you're going to hit it off with someone, but knowing his history as an athlete, you obviously have immediate respect for him and what he's accomplished. And then once you get to know him personally, it's impossible not to like him. They do talk about the training that they have Miguel Cotto doing, but first they get to the important stuff, you know, like Miguel Cotto's testicles. I'm not kidding. They actually have Liev Schreiber kind of doing innuendo talk like, Miguel Cotto has nothing to hide at all. And I know that my Liev Schreiber impression might sound a bit like George Takei. I don't care. Why are we talking about Miguel Cotto's gonads? The running joke is they got two rental cars, one that they drive here to, and uh, the other one for his nuts to get here with. <laughs> so it's like... Ah. <laughs> Mr. Nuts? <laughs> What, what was the point of that? Also, I, I, I noticed that when Miguel Cotto's on the uh, bike, they kind of pan up slowly and they make sure that they get a good crotch shot for you. W was Ron Jeremy directing this episode? Why does he have to wear stuff that's so tight, too? I mean, when I'm working out at the gym, I'm ever skipping rope, I just wear regular workout pants and some boxer briefs so that things don't go bouncing around out of control. Sorry if that's TMI for you, but that's the truth. Like, Miguel Cotto is wearing some sort of skin-tight outfit. Feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And that makes me realize something. So we get Miguel Cotto's package. Last time on 24-7, we had freaking Mickey Rourke dressing up as a bag lady and talking about how big Freddie Roach is. Yeah, he did that. We've seen Ricky Hatton's ass. We've seen Miguel Cotto's ass. We've seen Julio Cesar Chavez in the God knows why I am punished like this pink bikini briefs or whatever the hell they were. I'm really trying not to recall that image. And we've also seen Juan Manuel Marquez shower. What's with all the dudes? Sorry. I mean... All those 24-7s with Floyd Mayweather, 
or Adrian Broner, you couldn't go, you couldn't follow him into one strip club, just show one boob. No, you, you can't do that. Otherwise, we couldn't see more butt crack from Ricky Hatton or Miguel Cotto. What the hell is going on with HBO? But you know what? Maybe this is something new for me to do. You know, I got them to... I, I was able to convince HBO, hey, put the specials on your YouTube channel so that more people can see them. Stop, uh, you know, dragging these 24-7 series for uh, a month on end. Okay, 24-7 executive producers, stop showing male genitalia or the outlines of them or talking about them. Unless there's a low blow that connects, I, you know what, we shouldn't have to hear about it. I don't go talking about mine. Partly because I don't want to make anyone jealous. Moving on! Now here's something that I've always, uh... A guy that I've always kind of been interested in the boxing scene, and that's Lou DiBella. Uh, he's one of the more brutally honest guys, and you can't fault him for it. Uh, he goes and pays a visit to Sergio Martinez in training camp. You know, it's just something I do before the big fights. Come down and, you know, check out the camp, make sure everything's okay. Particularly when you have a fight of this magnitude and this significance. Um, it's good to get a sense of what's going on. Nivella talks about how he discovered uh, Sergio Martinez in 2007. While Martinez was still fighting overseas, he saw a DVD from Samson Lukowitz and... DeBella told the guy, why haven't I heard of him before, and signed him to a contract, and yeah, I mean, we know the rest of the story, but DeBella also goes on to say that Sergio Martinez is the best fighter he's ever had, and just a, a great guy to work with, and when he shows up, he's very impressed with what he sees. For seven years now, DeBella's enjoyed a front row seat to watch Martinez's rise to prominence. During today's workout, he gets an up-close look at a fighter both feeling strong and looking strong. This is how he looked when I visited him before the Chavez fight. You know, today, he didn't look like a 39-year-old athlete. He looked like a guy ready to kick some ass. That bad was thudding, and if he thuds like that on Kodo, Kodo's gonna have a long night. Or maybe a short one. And that's all that I can really talk about for this episode, because there's not much after that. Not anything worth bringing up. So, now it's time for the important part. What's my prediction? Oh, this is not an easy one to pick. At first, I thought, oh, well... This is uh, a very logical decision, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, actually, no. Looking back at it now, it would have made more sense to say this person's going to win, but now I'm not so sure. Hmm. 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 I am picking Sergio Martinez to win this fight. Yes, Sergio Martinez has been off 
for over a year. Yes, Sergio Martinez has a lot of physical ailments. Yes, Sergio Martinez is an older fighter at 39 years old. Yes, Sergio Martinez has taken more punishment in his last two fights than he would like. However, Sergio Martinez, despite all those, has still found a way to win. His arm, you know, his, he had a bad shoulder, his left hand was fractured, and his knee, you know, he, he uh, injured that before training in the Murray fight, and he still was able to win. He was in control for 11 rounds against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and then got dropped, but was able to get up and still hang in there like a champion does. Miguel Cotto might have looked dynamic against Delvin Rodriguez, but the way I see it, Delvin Rodriguez was brought in to make Miguel Cotto look dynamic. Nobody was really expecting Rodriguez to give Miguel Cotto trouble. Yes, Freddie Roach may have made Miguel Cotto look like the Miguel Cotto of old, but I think that Miguel Cotto is biting off more than he can chew by going up to 160 pounds, even though the fight is at a catchweight. I, uh, I just don't see Cotto being able to carry the weight that well. He kind of looks chubby at 154, and I don't see him being able to carry the power up to 160. Again, you he was able to do it against Delvin Rodriguez, but Delvin Rodriguez was brought in to do that. I think that Sergio Martinez is going to win the fight. I see this being probably a split decision victory for him, but there's going to be a lot of blood. And I am very upset that I have to work that night and won't be able to attend. But I will be back later this month to gloat about my prediction or to eat crow. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us at www.boxingforfree.com, twitter.com slash boxingforfree, be like Eris Lara, Robert the Ghost Guerrero, Adonis Stevenson, and hundreds of others Follow us on Twitter. You won't regret it. Go to YouTube.com slash Boxing for Free and Facebook.com slash Boxing for Free page. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Zoom, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, please give us feedback and a rating to let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.